hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what are we discussing today? 1948's The Big Clock. Great old film noir starring Ray Milan, Charles Lawton, who is off the charts amazing. Jason, what are we drinking? Today we are drinking Big Grove Brewery, Royal Eddy, Imperial Hazy IPA. And they're sponsoring this show. Cheers. Cheers. Absolutely. This was a trip home. I got a hold of them. Went down to Iowa City. They have two locations. Uh, we went to the Iowa City one. It's the newer facility. It's fantastic. Right down in Iowa City. Met with Rob and hung out there. Had some beers. I was trying to think what I would want. And I thought, well, Royal Eddie. Film noirs often have, you know, there's a guy named Eddie somewhere. And I kind of <laughs> like that, you know. So I said, I'm going to put this. I think I'm going to try to pair this with a noir. And then I picked the big clock. And I went, big grove, big clock. Boom. We're also, as a bonus feature sure. today, we're having Stingers, Stingers in honor of this movie Cheers. because Stingers <laughs> play a real part. Now, these are, some people will be like, what the hell's wrong with you? Because our Stinger is scotch and green cream the mint, which. But we did use the green stuff. Yes, so. which is not right, but it will make sense when we talk about the movie. How do you like the beer? The beer is fantastic. And in this night, yeah, it, it is for a hazy IP. It is smooth. It's smooth. It's smooth, and it's nine percent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like that. Whoa. It's that stupid smooth that you're going. Oh, you as we like to say around here, you get over your skis on this yeah. fast. Like if you were hanging out with somebody and they're like, oh, you'd almost have to point out, hey, be careful with that because I could see somebody just going. This is it's juicy. I mean, this thing is. Oh yeah, this thing is just—it's—it's it's breakfast beer. <laughs> we buy bags of clementines when they're in season. The girls love them for their lunches. I like to grab for the snack, and yeah. that smell—that's what this smell. It's like. delicious, yeah, and it, it's nice. scary. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. it is—it's clementine, tangerine, smooth as silk. <laughs> yeah, way too smooth. Well done, thank you guys so much, Big Grove. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna read what's on the back of their can. Go ahead. Hear ye, hear ye. Big Grove Brewery presents a mighty 9% Imperial Hazy IPA, fruity aromas of tangerine, and clementine. And you didn't Showcase even read it. Showcase bushels of hand-selected hops. This eddy is royal hazy and silky smooth. I nice will say they, they had it on tap when I was there. Uh, I had it on tap. Yeah. And I was like, I got it. It was a snowstorm. It was a great day. But I'm driving through whiteout snowstorm conditions. <laughs> Uh, so I had the hazards on. I was doing like 40 on the highway, <laughs> just going, oh, boy. I was doing a whole triangle of brewery, <laughs> dropping off some thank yous to breweries that have helped us out in the past, supported us. Finally got in contact with Big Grove, so we went down there. But, yeah, it was a fun day. But I was, I just kept going, I got to be really good today. Yes. And I'm just tasting little bits, tasting little bitty yeah. tastes. And, and their facilities, they have the original one in Solon. I have not been to yet. Uh, that's supposed to be... Great little spot, smaller, great little spot for food. This is a little bigger, tons of fun. They have a bunch of great beers. The staff is great. Um, it's a college town. A University of Iowa was there. It's where I went to school. It just got that vibe of great people that are interesting and interested. And the great. bottom line is the beer is great. Yeah, no, it's great. And they've been really cool to me. You chose this movie. Absolutely. Why it's, is it a B movie and why did you choose it? It's a film noir, bud. I mean, this is a straight. Anytime you get a list of like 10 greatest film noirs of all time, 
if you take 10 lists, the big clock is going to be on about seven yeah. to eight of them. It's a great movie. The look is total noir. The to- I totally agree with it you. It comes that. 1948. It comes right in the heyday of the film noir. It meets, for us, the most important thing, it, not told from the perspective of police. Yes. It's there's a crime committed. There's it's been remade a couple times in the late '80s. I remember a movie No Way Out with Kevin Costner. It was made. It was a loose remake, very different, set in the Cold War. But it's basically a man assigned to investigate a crime for which he is suspected. You're basically trying to catch yourself. When we did our film noir episode, yeah, it, no, it, it is. When we did our film noir episode, this is one that I did not get to, and I've watched it. I really like this movie. It's crackerjack man it, it uh, charles lawton I, I didn't go back i actually I, I thought about it was one of those things i thought to do i don't know who was given an academy award that year but charles lawton should have gotten an award world. jason i mean i can't tell you it's one of my absolute favorite performances in history he is amazing in this and from like little looks like charles lawton was just an amazing actor he, he was but this this in this he's just incredible so. He, he does a stellar job. And he's among a bunch of people. Because yeah. Ray Lund is an Academy Award winner. He's an amazing actor. No, uh, George McCready is. I mean, the acting is great throughout. <laughs> and Charles Lawton is head above everyone. Just, yeah, and Charles Lawton, you know, Night of the Hunter, Robert Mitchum. Only, only movie. Only movie, did. yeah. And it's, it's something I remember in film school talking about that. And just people were like, why didn't he direct more? more. And his wife is in it, Elsa Lanchester. Miss <laughs> Patterson. Ms. Fantastic. It's awesome. Just and, awesome. And this, as a film noir, to me, and I don't know your take on it, it, there's intensity, but the tone is lighter. They have comic relief. Yes, they which do. Which you can have. You have film noirs that are comic relief. It's like, that's okay. It's like, because there, there are very few that, that just meet every single of criteria. Course. This meets enough, I guess, a happy ending. <laughs> and it's a... It's a weird happy ending, yes. but it's a it's a somewhat happy ending, and there's a little comic relief at the end. There, there is. So yeah, so there's but, a comic relief like spurs throughout. But visually, this, you know, from the opening scene, basically this movie's told in flashback. Yes. Up to a point, yeah. we start in the present and then move to the past, and then we catch up. But we do find out everything in this takes place in 36 yeah. hours. Not possible, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like. It's pretty crazy to think about it. I was going to ask one question before we start diving into this. So we talk about drinking games. This is one where if you basically had to take a drink every time they mention time or a clock, by 20 minutes in the movie, you'd be like, I, I don't know where I'm at. There, there's probably five people on planet Earth I would do that with. I hate to say it, Jason. I don't think you're one of them. Oh, no, no. Because I sat there, and I'm like, as a symbol and a metaphor. Like, I'd be digging t- deep in my... I'm like, who, who, are, who, who are the hollow leg no. people that I know? I'm like, I need I need some heavy lifters. And I, if you're drinking stingers at the same oh, time... Oh, like the, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not one of the five in that situation. You know? It's like, I like I like to think I can hold my booze, but, but I'm like, no way. You're doing stingers? Like, I don't even know I'd want to. That's a lot. Like, no, because, I think the sugar would probably because there's so like they beat you over the head that like time time is important. So this is based on a book called The Big Clock yep. that was really popular. And the guy who wrote it was a poet. You know, he wrote like seven mystery thrillers. This movie is so intricate. Earl Janeth, Charles Lawton's character, such a villain. He is in charge of this big media empire. 
time means a lot to me. You have to be efficient. I'm focusing on millions and millions at the same time. Like if you don't change a light bulb, you let it run for That's, like two days. That weird pennies. attention to detail. Yeah, like, there, I'm like there, Whoa. It's, it's it's a form of a it's a I don't know if it's psychosis or what, but yeah, no, absolutely. He's a this, scary person. It's terrifying. There's something like sociopathic where and you you find out he has to have that. Otherwise, some really bad things are going to happen. His magazines in this giant tower, he owns a <laughs> magazine that has every subject matter. And he is basically... Sportsways, airways, are, it's always... Styleways. Yep, styleways, newsways, crimeways, and then later, I think, futureways. Yeah, and I'm thinking Westway Magazine, AAA. And he is dictating what the public... Like, he's creating reality. He's, and... There's no time for people who are you know, laggards yeah. who want to just sit back. It's an amazing movie. I love it. I've seen it. Jane watched it with me. She she was like, "I this is great. This is a fantastic movie." And then when we did our film noir episode, I rewatched it. it and I just every, and then this time, I, every time I watch it, I go, "I don't get tired of this movie. No. This is a." brilliant movie i own it i will watch it yeah. again but anyway getting yeah. ahead of ourselves yeah. spoiler alert spoiler alert going forward yeah um let's get into it because okay. like we said we start in george is in the big clock it's quiet it's dark it's deep shadows he's looking out the big clock will make sense in a few minutes <laughs> it's friday april 25th 11 23 p.m april 20 april 25th we're gonna have to like do something <laughs> absolutely our main character, George, George Stroud. Played by Ray Milan. Ray Milan is fantastic. Oh, He's so amazing. good. So good at this. I, mean, this is, I want to drink with that guy. Oh, <laughs> he I, knows how to party. I, I do, but he's a crumb, he's kind of a crumb bum as a husband. Oh, it, it's like he's, he's he, not a good husband. No, it, it, it's argument. weird because he does good things as a husband. Good things. But, but it's also... For himself. <laughs> so he's in the big clock and it's a voiceover he's talking to himself he's saying how did i get into this yeah. and then 36 hours ago i was just a regular guy yeah. whoop we go back 36 hours to that same space which is the janeth lobby of janeth publications in new york which is a great like old art deco style someone's giving a tour they're talking about the big clock which occupies a big space in the lobby and it's a clock that's it, it tells perfect time it synchronizes everything in the building plus they synchronize it with janeth publications across the globe so it's just the time is always exactly what it's supposed to be six hundred thousand dollars which is six point nine million dollars say so that clock it's expensive clock. It does a lot more than just that. It yeah. does a lot. Of, it keeps Janeth Publications, everybody, in line. <laughs> and somebody in the tour actually mentions, you know, what if it stops? And George happens to be walking by, and he's just kind of cynical, kind of sarcastic. And he goes, Mr. Janeth would never let that happen. <laughs> and then we get the, the elevator scene, which is great, because it's back in the day. When there's an elevator lady, or a person, doesn't have yeah. to be a lady, but somebody who runs the elevator yeah. for you. And they, all these men get on. It's very men. Every floor is a different ways. So you got sports ways, airways. So, and there's this guy, the, the lady who runs the elevator, she's adorable. It's Noel Neal, who played Lois Lane in The Adventure of Superman. Okay. Unaccredited, unaccredited role, just like one of her early roles. It's, it's a great little spot. Yeah. And this guy takes a shine to her. And of course, he's like, ah, it goes over. He's way, but too much of a shine. Oh, he's, he's being like, you know, at some point, another man on that 
elevator should have said, dude, well, back off. Well, George walks in the elevator. There's all men. There's clearly one female yes. reporter. And he looks at, and he doesn't say anything to men, but he looks at her and he's like, hey, nice attire today. Look smart. It, yeah. was, it wasn't creepy. He said, you look smart. Yeah. It, yeah. It was It was a polite, nice thing to say. But this guy, other guys, he's just trying, he's hitting on the elevator lady. She's announcing. Finally, she, she just turns and says, we're not supposed to talk to the people on the elevator. You know, back... The Mr. App. Jan says we can't. George even has another line about Mr. Yeah. Janeth. <laughs> and so they get up to... The last one is Crime Ways. Before they stop. Oh. Because they stop and there's... Style Ways. Style Ways. And there's a woman in the background. At first I didn't see it the first couple of times. And she is basically... They're doing a style shoot. And all the men all of a sudden are like... They, yep. And there's a woman with a huge hat that walks <laughs> by. Yeah. This, you're right. you got to mention that. Because the Style Ways, it was, it was the... The that, men are like... Men lean in. Going, and, and the woman... I think the, the elevator operator even kind of gives a look like... She's like, all right, man. You know, boys, boys, <laughs> yeah, boys. Exactly. You boys are so predictable. So they end up Newsways is second to last um, and that clears it out and it's just George so crime ways, crime ways the American police blotter <laughs> which I mean it's like it's this precursor yeah. to something like cops or whatever yeah, you know it's like this movie it could be absolutely remade right now yeah, absolutely could um, so yeah he goes in we got the blackboard profiling I've read a lot of true crime enough where the FBI the whole profiling idea really caught on like the late 70s but they're profiling there's a great line because they're traced they're trying to get i'm going to mark because i i have to see if this is the line you're thinking of what is the line what did i tell you once a seashell man always a seashell man (laughs) because it was such a strange (laughs) he does they tracked a guy in salt lake city and he does say that and and i'm just (laughs) Because like, I say that all the time. And I think he's, yeah, like, I know. Dave, what's a seashell man? Always a seashell man. <laughs> we were always saying that growing up, you know. I mean, I think he was being kind of funny, but it cracked me up every time I would hear that. What did I tell you? Yeah. What did I tell you, Ray? Once a seashell man, always a seashell man. It's like, what did you think of George's characterization right off regarding his wife? Because he walks in and there's two calls. And what does he take first? He takes the work call. That's right. Yes. He has a passion for the news. I'm with you. He's a pretty crappy husband. Marino Sullivan is his wife. Georgette. His, okay, real quick. His name's George. His wife's name is Georgette. They named their son George Jr. Don't do that. That's an people. unfortunate family. That's a serial killer family. <laughs> but <laughs> so, that's a good characterization right off. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, when you find out what the call is from home, <laughs> you know, basically his son won't eat oatmeal because they're supposed to go on vacation this is a big deal real quick because the son doesn't believe they're gonna go on vacation because the dad has failed every single time to actually go through on their vacation plans you know i gotta tell you <laughs> things would not have went as nicely for george jr in my house if you're being a little jerk like that you know what i mean it's like it would have been just a quick smack upside the head and eat your damn oatmeal what are you little brat and instead he gives him a gift i notice you're nursing your stinger there oh yeah i i i, I got mine out of the way i got nine percent and then i got a scotch with creme de menthe which also has alcohol in it so it's like absolutely <laughs> i'm trying to save it for like the stinger scene when we get to it yeah. <laughs> so anyways there's a meeting going on and george is way late 
Ray, his right hand man, who he trained really well because it comes up later. Like when when things get hot, George just kind of sits there, like, "Oh my god, I trained these people so, so well. well; they're gonna catch me." Yes. <laughs> so well, he's part part of it is like when every time they go over the board, you're looking at it like it's George. You're describing George, <laughs> yeah. except his wife walks in and she's like, oh, "I know who this." Is. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> he's late for this meeting. Large boardroom, people okay. sitting around. Great cinematography. One of the great entrances of all time. Because all these people... And, and you feel the pins and needles. Oh, you do. Everybody is just there waiting for the big man to walk in. Charles Lawton walks in. Immediately starts talking about numbers, time, seconds. Our subscriptions are down. we got to figure this out. He's just walking around this huge boardroom and it's this speech and it's just dynamite they have 33 million that's their monthly circulation there is no magazine right now that even approaches that the, the largest magazine right now is arp i looked this up magazine with 22.84 million but i think as an arp member you get it free and i've been in meetings like that where i worked for a company before i'm not gonna name it where the president came in and just started like going on and on, like throwing papers, and then circling the table, and then walking out of the meeting. <laughs> it's a very tense scene. He asks the guy, how do you propose yeah. to add 100 subscriptions <laughs> to Newsways? Yeah. And this guy gets up. It reminded me of the Holy Grail scene, where they're at the bridge near the yeah, end, yeah. and he says, you know, he must answer these questions. Three, kind of, They're like all freaked out. And he oh. gives them like a minute of time with yeah. them, too. And, yeah, and he goes, yes, Mr. So-and-so, you know, tell me, how do you propose to add subscriptions? 100,000 subscriptions. Yeah. His idea is like, oh, we, we give them a prize. He goes, well, the idea basically is we get people to pay for the subscriptions. We don't pay them to. Yeah. And it's just this brilliant, let's like shoot this guy down. He's just flying around in his biplane taking people out. And it's just so epically awesome. If you just watch this movie for that scene, well, George Stroud shows up. He's, he asks, you know, what do you propose while George is on vacation? And he said, well, he's got some lame idea. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, he takes a call. And, and he even points out, um, uh, keep talking. Yeah, he's exactly. like, I'm listening. And he's I'm going to take this call because he can't have any. Well, he's showing that he's more powerful than any of these people. Yeah. And he could take calls. He could listen at the same time. Your My time is so valuable. Why can't up. you? Get your subscriptions up. Yeah. I can do all yeah. this. I'm giving you all of these tools, and you're failing with my tools. Most of the people say not one word. They're like, so, please don't call on me. <laughs> please don't, don't, don't call on sailor ways. <laughs> we have nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, no, Ray has this idea, and he kind of shoots it down. George is kind of under his breath. He's saying, Fleming, the, the Salt Lake City thing, he's like, they end up bringing that up. And they say, we found the guy. Yeah. And Janeth is, whoa, hey, okay, yeah. here we go. The ball's rolling. What do we got? Yeah. And he says, we don't have time to, sit to update the issue. He goes, but we could put a banner saying Fleming caught. And he's like, we could do it in green. And Janeth is, of course, because he has to put his fingerprint on everything. He's like, do it in red. Which honestly makes more sense. Yeah, I think George what? is caught with the green color because he likes creme de mint. Does that because he finds out Earl Janeth hates green. That's the only reason he does the green cream creme de mint. Janeth is really 
happy that George has this idea. So Steve Hagen, Earl Janth's right-hand man, played by George McReady, he always plays a villain. We covered when he played, uh, was it Ralph in um, My Name is Julia Ross? Yeah. Dude, the guy. Right when I see that character, I'm like, that guy's not a good guy. Like, <laughs> Like, oh, and it's so unfortunate. George McReady's any of the characters he plays, like you can't trust him. <laughs> and it's got to be so unfortunate for the actor. It's like, it's like on one hand, man, I've got steady work, but then in everyday life, he might be the nicest person in the world, just doing nice yeah. things and good deeds, and, and then people just look at him and go. You're shady, bro. Yeah. No, I don't need your help. Go away. I'm going to end up in a, a shallow grave. Because he, he looks like a shallow grave type of guy. Exactly. <laughs> and he basically, after the meeting, George comes into Steve Hagen's office, and Steve informs like, Mr. Janeth likes your offer. And he goes, but he wants you to perceive this. You can't go on your vacation to Wheeling, West Virginia, which is a real town. I'm looking up. Not much of a vacation, but if you're from there and you want to go back to your roots. if Yeah, if you've been away for a long time. And so then we get the whole the sob story yeah. about George saying it's my honeymoon yeah. because my honeymoon was ruined by Janeth seven years yeah. ago. I've pulled the plug so many times on this. It's not happening. It's impacting this my time. marriage. Then we get very in- important cut because we go to Janeth's office. Janeth has all this control, but he can also listen into your office yeah. because. Pauline is in his office and she's listening to George and Steve, which is really important. Yeah. This basically is why George is in the predicament he's in. Yes. Because this woman is listening in. Pauline York, played by Rita Johnson. And then Janeth walks in. What did you think of their relationship at She's that the point? kept woman. That's that's how I pictured it. When she asked about the $2,000 music lessons, I didn't know if that was code of like, I'm blackmailing you for $2,000 and you're not paying. I would say no because the blackmailing comes up with George. So if she wants to use George, the two of us can blackmail Janeth. $2,000 music lessons back in 1948. They never explore it and it's unimportant really. But she is a model. She We learned that she was a model I for think, Styleways and, magazine. And this is my take is that Oh, he met her through that. Went, I like you. I will put you up. You're my lady. Anyway, they have this great little exchange yeah. because he says your your voice is worth exactly what that check says. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Steve Hagen writes these checks for him. Yes, which is really important. Yeah. But he also, he says, how'd you get up here? And she goes, I have your private elevator. And he's, he says, uh, leans over, he punches in a little intercom. And he tells the secretary, Find the uh, guy who runs... The LA. He's going to fire him. <laughs> oh, at least dock his pay. Yeah. But I'm guessing he gets fired. And I can't necessarily blame him. If it's my private elevator and I say, nobody comes up yeah. this but me, and the guy lets somebody else up, I'm, I go, eh, yeah, no, that's a fireable as it, it is, it is. I had a very uncomfortable situation one time where we were never supposed to let people up in these certain elevators for executives. And around Christmas time... The wife of the executive, and and if you do, you have to have a badge, and there was no exceptions. And the wife of the president of the company, the founder of the company, she's holding Christmas presents, and she looks at me, and she's like, I need to go up the elevator. And I'm like, um, okay. (laughs) And I broke all the rules, because I'm like, if I say no, where's your badge? Like, I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) You know what? That was a good move. Yes. Because it it, it it didn't come back on you. It never came back on me, but I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is like, we train constantly. No one goes up in these elevators unless they have a security badge. (laughs) But also this exchange, two things about time, because Janet tells her, I'm six minutes behind schedule, and then when he says, I'm going to escort you out to the main elevators, 
He says, oh, and I'll see you tomorrow night. 10.55. If you had to play a drinking game about time and clocks in this, it's, like at this point already, like we're not even like 15, 20 minutes in the movie. Like You'd be like, I'll tell you what, you're, you're not drinking the Royal Eddie. Oh, no, no. You need to be doing something a little lighter. The, the easy Eddie... Which is the younger brother? I call it. Yeah. You know, the little brother of the of the Royal Eddie. It's their kind of flagship. That's a little more sensible. So we have a brief discussion where Steve Hagen basically says, "No one is indispensable to this company except for Mr. Janeth." George is like, "Listen, I'm going to go on my vacation," and Janeth informs Mr. Um, Hagen that he's like, I- "I'll take care of. It. I'll eventually talk to George." But then we go to the bar scene. The Van Barth. Love this scene. The Van Barth is an important scene. Wing it. It's lunch. He's meeting his wife at 1230 at the Van Barth. That's a lunchtime bar I want to go to. Boom. Absolutely. <laughs> Fist bump on that, bro. <laughs> a little cheers, too. Yeah, a little because, cheers. Because they're, they're knocking back stingers. That's where I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink it because... <laughs> I'll be honest, I put it away, I enjoyed it, but it yeah. was like the two, because honestly we talked about it, yeah. the mint, it was too much like if you ever drink orange juice after you brush your teeth. Yeah, exactly. Because the creme de mint and then this juice bomb yeah. of a beer. George is having stingers with Ray. Pauline comes in and finds them because she had heard and she senses by listening to that conversation, I think she goes, that could be a comrade in arms. Because she's got a plan. She's kind of tired of Janeth. Ray, his buddy, basically, he's like, I gotta go see my psychiatrist. This is odd. I'm like, man. And Ray Milan does a great job just being like, oh, this gorgeous woman comes in and wants to sit down next to me. He had already made plans to have lunch with his wife here. I don't necessarily think he's a cheater. I think he's just sort of the attention. He's, yeah. he's going, what's this about? So she starts talking. She brings up things he specifically said in that conversation. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Antenna go up. What's going on here? He's nervous and he's like, just let you know, I am married. Because <laughs> at first he thinks she's hitting on him. He's like, I'm, I'm married. Yeah, and I, she doesn't care. At this point, it looks like she's looking to come up with a plan to go after Janeth. Or at least blackmail him in some way. But then they're saved by Georgette, George's wife. She comes in icy stare. Oh, yeah. It's very unsympathetic, I think, is, is the vibe. And he goes, hey, this woman just sat down. Yeah. I got nothing. I hey, look, I've got reserve table with champagne. Lunch, again, yeah. knocking back stingers, going to go have some champagne. champagne. That's what you do at lunchtime. When That's you're... what I want to do, is I want to live in a world <laughs> where it's okay to just be in the middle of the day getting your drink on, <laughs> like doing some business. Knocking <laughs> you know, so. back stingers. It's supposed to be brandy and creme de menthe. White creme de menthe. One to one, right? One to one ratio. Like, I read a few different ones. I read like uh, one and a half to one okay. of brandy to white creme de menthe. I did two ounces of scotch, two ounces creme de menthe. I split between the two of us. Yeah. Shook it up in a shaker. It yeah. worked for me. It was nice. And I used the green stuff. You did. <laughs> and again, that will come up. <laughs> So he goes back to Crime Ways, and this is a very fateful point, because he gets a call, they say, hey, Janeth, and anytime somebody mentions Janeth's name, the room, everybody tenses up, because they say, hey, Mr. Janeth is on the phone, and everybody kind of stops and goes, oh boy, takes the call, he says, and you can't hear what Janeth is saying, but basically he's like, oh, you're going on vacation, when do you leave, and he says, I'm leaving, I'll be here till about 4.30. Yes, Important because then we cut to a clock again. Time, time, time. Four fifty-five. Four fifty-five, and he's still at the office. Bad move, bud, because Janeth shows up. 
If he would have left at 4.30, he'd be in West Virginia. Yeah, None there would of... be this movie wouldn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I'm glad, you know, that he stayed. So Janeth walks in. He tries the soft soap. He does the carrot and the stick. He goes, tell me about your clue chart. Your system of what's Butter... called to irrelevant clues. I'm thinking, so the police only focus on relevant clues? I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> the police trying to focus on well, everything. <laughs> It's this great exchange yes. because he is, he's buttering him up. He's like, I'm going to try the carrot first. Yeah. And then when George catches on, he's like, ah, I just had you know bad taste from all that soap. He's like, I knew it. I knew it because Janeth basically says, you're going to take care of this for the next month. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, I'll give you a big vacation. Oh, expenses paid and all this. And Charles Lawton's just amazing. And George is like, no, you don't get it. And so he's like, now comes out the stick. I tried it the nice way. And he says, do this or you're done. And George quits. Which, and I respect him for that moment because he Ab- has to come through to his family at There's least a once. certain point. Point. Everybody's got their breaking yeah. point, and this was his. Now, he tells everybody that Janeth let him go, but he does really quick because Janeth gives the opposite either. Well, I mean, he kind of is fired because Janeth says, you know, either you do this or you're not working. Or, and not like that, I'll blacklist you from working at any magazines ever and across the United States. Which is interesting to me because I would think for every Hugh Hefner, there's a Bob Guccione (laughs) type deal. It's like you can't necessarily black. There would be somebody, because obviously he's good at what he does. He's successful. Somebody would go, I'm a rival to Janeth. I'm trying to take him on. If he wants to fire this guy who does crime ways... Bring him on. So uh, anyway, he gets a call from Pauline immediately, and he goes, I'm going to go have a good stiff drink. That part I don't necessarily begrudge. Like, I just had this blowout with my big boss. I'm, you know, I'm going to grab a quick drink. Boy, I just made a huge change in my life, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go home. But he goes on this bender with Pauline. He yeah. meets Pauline. She says, I've got a business proposition for you. And he's like, he's really, he's, he goes amenable to it. He's like, oh, right. oh, yeah. There's like a montage. There's cahoots. There's cahoots. <laughs> like, they're going out. They're buying paintings. They're going from bar to bar. Jason, this is where we get the green. They're sitting at the bar. He's telling her how Janeth yeah. fired the guy who prints everything. Yeah. And he says, can you imagine that? He fired him. And he fired because he used green. And she says, oh, he hates green. <laughs> and so he says, oh, give us more stingers. Yeah. <laughs> but use cre- green cream de mint. Yeah. And that bartender's great because he's like, oh, he's like, what green? He goes, give him, give him. He goes, don't shilly shally. <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines. Don't shilly shally. Let's have him. So he goes and he comes back and they spill a drink on, on Pauline. And George gives her a handkerchief. Important, important little moment. They have this montage. They just get drunk. They get drunk. They gotta find green clocks. And I'm, it's seven twenty-five p.m. And he's like, "Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! I gotta call my wife. Like, I think the train might have left." Tries to call and she's long gone. The time, Paul and York's like, "Let listen. I know the inside. You know the outside. Like, we could write a bio on Janeth." And he's like, "Well, who would buy that?" She says, "He would buy it." Basically, that would be yeah, extortion. Yeah, where, exactly. hey, we've got this we book. We have one customer for this book. Got this book that's going to tell all sorts of nasty things about you. What do you think of George as a husband at this point? Because he comes in after he's that cr- call. He's crap. If this was such a big deal, he quit his job. Why are you going off on a bender? Why are you meeting the woman? I don't have a problem with him saying, I quit. I'm, no. I'm going to go have a stiff drink. Go home. You know, because he's got plenty of time. Yeah. That's within the window. But no, oh, I'll meet you about this scheme you have to black to extort 
my former boss. That's that's shady. That's, and when he comes out of the call with his wife who doesn't pick up, he's like, I can't believe she didn't wait for me. And I'm like, selfish because very selfish he has person. tried to make these plans several times and clearly he has not shown up to these other plans. So now he's projecting onto his wife like, I can't believe she didn't wait for me. <laughs> So then, like, when you're drinking, the next thing you want to do is you want to go to an antique store and buy some art. <laughs> They're on the hunt for green clocks, man. And so they end up in front of this antique shop, and he spies a painting because there's a certain artist that he really likes. Yeah, Patterson is uh, yes. the artist's name. And he goes, oh, that's going to be worth some dough, so we're going to go in. They're drunk, and he goes in, and there's a woman trying to buy the painting. Who and turns he, out to be Miss Patterson. She is the Patterson <laughs> of the name. Yes. So... He outbids her. 30 bucks. He's being a little nouveau riche. Yeah. And she has a perfect line, Miss Patterson does, because she's outbid. She's like, it's a pity that wrong people always have the money. It's so true, Jason. <laughs> she leaves, and then he goes, now we really want the green clock. And the guy goes, ah. I love how everybody, they immediately go, I have no green clocks. Like, yeah, yeah. the green clocks do not exist. <laughs> they, they don't go, let me take a look. Yeah. The guy just goes, I got no green <laughs> clocks. A crazy request. Still gonna say I would like to go out drinking with George Stroud. Yeah, like I said, he's not an evil man. No, I think he's just a little selfish, yeah. and, he, and he's a little wrapped up in his own career. So then they end up at Bert's place. Yes, which is a perfect time. They order cheers, cheers, and they, instead of ordering stingers at the time, he does actually says like, "Let's get a couple bourbons." Absolutely, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Drinking stingers, then you want to have some bourbon. <laughs> well, you know, after a day of drinking stingers, I and champagne. I like to downshift into just straight <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> but anyway. Burt's is a strange bar because... Burt's is a great bar. And I do feel like Burt's might be the kind of place you'd find the Royal Eddie. Absolutely. Burt would put that on tap. Delicious. If you can't get there, get a friend who can send it to you. It's fantastic. All their stuff. What I love about them is they're one of those breweries. They do just this wide variety of beers. It's like you can, whatever your taste is, I can guarantee you. They have it on tap. <laughs> smooth still. I, still it, smooth. There's oh. no bite to this. Like sometimes when you drink something that's hoppy, it has that bite. And people, some people do not like that. Correct. And this one, it is smooth. It's seriously smooth. <laughs> and sometimes when you get something that with ABV that's a little higher, like you, when you smell it, you go, it's a little hot. This thing <laughs> does smell like a, ba- a bushel of fruit. It is like the siren's call. Yes. It's like the beautiful... It's it's not like the evil like snake thing that's like, we're going to kill you. It's like that beautiful... You go, oh, this is so good. And then the next thing, you're like standing in your friend's backyard talking to a tree for an hour. And they're like, oh, man. He didn't realize the Royal Eddie was... <laughs> 9%. Yeah. He was just putting those down. He was just drinking them way too fast. Yeah. What an idiot. It's a fantastic yeah. beer. And, and Bert's bar in this movie, Bert collects stuff. And if you can ask him for something that he doesn't have, he'll let you drink for free. Which is a weird policy. Really weird. It's a weird policy, Jason, because I just feel like, I mean, he, and the thing is, the thing with Bert, there's like the Irish storyteller in this guy, of course. where I think even if he doesn't have it, because he does, he does do this, even if he doesn't have it, he's going to make it up. So you're never going to win. Even though you go in and you would say something to him. Like a green clock. And you, what do you get? You get a sundial with a, a ribbon from his uncle Shillelagh. <laughs> because you can't get more Irish American than owning a bar and having a Shillelagh. 
George is just having the time of his life. You're introduced to George's friend. Let's call him Randolph. Jefferson Jefferson Randolph. Randolph. In the credits, he's not... They don't give him an actual name, although I think he's named at the end. I think his name might be Mike. Yeah. (laughs) So, his friend is this radio actor... Does voices. Introduces him to Pauline, his president McKinley. She goes, oh, I heard you were dead. Which I just <laughs> like that. She's just rolling, and she's charming, and she's rolling along with this. And this They're guy. having a good time. Burt's is the kind of place I think we would go yes, to. Yes, yes. The Van Barth is kind of nice, but I feel like we would be Burt's guys. Yes. We'd be bellying up there. And talking about movies. And then there's like this... The Bender. The the Bender Bender montage, yes. And he wakes up on her couch. He's not a philanderer. He's a jerk. He wakes up. And of course she says, Janeth is here. You got to get out. So I'm I'm assuming it's close to 10.55 p.m. Because Janeth would not be late. So I'm like, (laughs) okay, man. They drink a lot and had a Bender by 10.55. (laughs) As he's leaving, she goes, dude, don't forget your painting. And as he's sneaking away... Janice spies him, but he's in the shadows. Doesn't he? Just sees a guy leaving. This is one of the most crucial moments in the whole movie yeah. because Janeth goes in. Is that guy your friend? She goes, Ah, oh, it's a guy I met. Oh, at least he had a clean shirt. They kind of go back and forth. He wants the music off. She wants. She turns the radio on. So in this situation, he doesn't have a lot of control. And this is where he starts bringing up clearly affairs that she said they're not married. She is just his mistress. <laughs> he brings up all these affairs. And he doesn't name Mentioning. the people. He just names the positions they have. You know, Below me. Yes, exactly. The, the cabbie. Then there was the bus boy. There was exactly. this guy. This person. And she turns it on him. What about the secretary, the artway secretary, the stenographer, the elevator girl, the kid in publicity, the photographer's model? Do you think they'd look at you twice? And then she basically... It, she attacks his manhood. She does. Oh. And, and his and also, for the first time in the movie, there's a close-up on someone's face. It snaps. Yeah. It's remarkable. This facade of control, but this man needs to have control because otherwise he is a psychopath. I keep saying it. Charles Lawton is amazing. Excellent. It's a close-up, and you just kind of see like a twitch. There's like twitches, and then it snaps. He takes the sundial, bashes her, and kills her with it. It was just like, boom. The first time I saw it, at least, I just went, oh, my God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, buddy. Jumps to the next scene where... Go to Steve's. What is Steve exactly? Steve is... He's the whisperer in the ear. He's the right hand. But He's he's, a devil that sits on your shoulder. But he's also the devil that's going to be like... I'm going to chuck you in the furnace yeah. first moment I get. I'm not going to let you forget because he's telling Steve, I just killed someone. Steve has a has a line, man. He goes, she's been asking for it for a long time. Holy crap. And Jan says, no, she's the most generous yeah. woman who ever lived. And he, at that time, he's like, I'm going to talk to my attorney, then I'm going to turn myself in. And yeah. Steve's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because you know what? His gravy train would dry, yeah, dry up. Yeah, Jan's publications would cease to exist. Steve's like, you know what? Let me go back to her apartment and see what's going on because Janeth Enterprises isn't done with you yet, Earl. Exactly. <laughs> you, Janeth is bigger than you yeah. even. Do you really think he would have turned himself in? No. You think that's the reason he came to Steve? He, he realized Steve is more of a psychopath than he is. That's why you keep a Steve around. Yeah. It's your fixer. Of course, they're like, you know who, who could help us with this? The guy in West Virginia. George Stroud. So they call George, and basically, he sees his wife, Georgette. They 
kind of get it together. They're, oh, yeah. And here he lies his ass off. Oh, my gosh. Because because she's she's like, what did you... And he said, I just walked around being sad. Yeah. It's, it's every, every word out of his damn mouth is a lie. The only thing that was true is he said, I did quit. So yeah. we're, we're free. We're done. But everything else I'm lying about. I'm lying to your face. And I go, wow, that's a great marriage. Of course, Janet and Steve call and they go, hey, we got something. He said, dude, I quit. I'm done, you know. And then they start giving him information and he realizes, oh, crap, they're talking about me. I don't have a choice. I have to go I have back. no alibi. And, and they have all of the power. He tells his wife, I got to go back. There's a guy that's going to get messed over. Yeah, this uh, Jefferson Randolph person. Because <laughs> now it's fr- we get another time code. Friday, April 25th. 9.15 a.m. And Steve Steve did something. The dumbest thing in this whole plot, the one gaping thing that I look at, Steve took the sundial back to Burt's. I have no idea why he would do that. Other than it does say, like, jokingly, yeah. on the bottom of the sundial, it said, stolen from Burt's place. Yeah. Why don't you just chuck it in the river? Exactly. There's this great thing where he and Janeth are on an elevator going to work, and Janeth has this line, he just goes, and he says it in this world-weary way where he's like, everybody, everybody knows me. me. Just like wiping his breath. Yeah, it's just awesome. And then he says, this man who left the apartment, he's the only man who can connect me to the murder. And Steve goes, well, yeah, and me. And he goes, you have a macabre sense, sense of humor. humor. <laughs> it's Steve letting him know. I still got one card to play. You, if yes. It so George shows up at Steve Hagen's office. And Hagen says, your company's at your disposal. Not only Crime Waves, but in these other magazines, we need to track this guy. This guy's a war profiteer. (laughs) (laughs) War contracts. You know, this Jefferson Randolph. George Straub knows that it's him. Like, this is made up. It's just that Pauline had thrown out the the name Jefferson Randolph because of... George's funny friend Mike, the the radio personality. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just for some Randolph. And then we're introduced to the silent thug. We have Steve Hagen, Earl Janus, right hand psychotic. But then you have the real muscle, who's not really that much of a muscle, but it's Bill the thug, who doesn't say a word. Not one word. In the entire movie. He's getting massaged by him. And Janeth is just going on about traveling's great, Bill. You should if you haven't. <laughs> Oh, it's just amazing. And of course, efficiency is important to him. And he mentions, because Bill was going to open up another thing of like, I don't know, baby oil or massage oil. And he's like, there's still something left in that bottle. Yeah, Bill. no, no. Don't you're... waste that money. Jason, you're absolutely right. I know. Thank you for bringing that up. You don't get there without pinching your pennies. Yeah. Janeth is like, you know, in some countries, they let the man run. And then shoot him. <laughs> do you think we could make this Randolph run, yeah, Bill? And, him. and Bill's like massaging him, and just and Bill is the mob guy who yeah. knows. He's the hitman. Yeah, who knows immediately when the mob boss goes. You know, boy, that guy's got a nice house. The guy's saying, "Burn that guy's house down." Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he's saying. <laughs> it took me to the last view. I think when I text you, where I'm like, "Oh my gosh." That's Henry Morgan. That's Colonel Sherman from MASH. It is. It's it's from Dragnet. And I'm like, oh my, I did not, the wow. several times, did not. I didn't look up IMDb, I just did not recognize him. I grew up with him as, as a different character actor. Yeah. He was a MASH, but yeah. I'm, I'm like, boy, that dude was intimidating. Yeah, he was. George starts doing things like, 
assigning people to the wrong task. It's excellent. And everybody's, everybody's <laughs> exactly. like questioning me, realize like I have to, I have to pretend to do a good job, but at the same time try to undermine myself because I know everything's going to point to me. Which is the most <laughs> difficult thing yes. in the world. I can only imagine how difficult that would be. And, and you had pointed out that he had trained his staff, so everybody's like, "But that, does that make sense? You want to send that person that way?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that guy will work out." Yes. And the only time it worked out is when he said the incorrect reporter to Burt's bar but everybody else they finally because they, they mentioned like oh that's the wrong hotel he's like oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you're right you're right go to the correct hotel he calls Burt's and one of the things about hanging out at a place like Burt's is this is going to happen he calls Burt's and one of the regulars answers and goes oh hey I'll, I'll totally yeah. tell Burt is know. that the piano player yeah <laughs> Charlie yeah and, and he says, you know, I wasn't there last night. Tell Bert I wasn't there. He's like, yeah, I'll tell him. And so he hangs up the phone, and then he goes to steal some hooch. And Bert comes out, and he goes, you're the one who's been drinking all my Mr. product. Lately. And he's, he's like, I got a message. He's like, ah, get out of here. Bert kicks him out. So it's like, oh, you go, oh, boy, this could be problematic. Yeah, because this is a point in the movie where it's a cat and mouse game, where George is trying to figure out a way to make a peer professional like he's chasing down this quotation mark Jefferson Randolph. And at the same time, trying to undermine the investigation. And Earl keeps stepping in like, you need to do this. And Steve does a good job because yeah. at one point, a guy calls in and he's like, he's got this tip yeah. about, oh, they had a painting. A hot blonde and a guy, and he was carrying a painting. And Steve, very cleverly, honestly, he goes, hey, that could be one of your irrelevant clues. Yeah. Why is it on the board? Check all the antique, de- antique dealers and art dealers in that area because they probably bought it. And, of course, that ends up coming back to bite him. <laughs> yeah, because the next we have Don Klausmeyer from Archway Magazine. Do you mean Don Klausbauer? Yeah. Klausmeyer. He said that Miss Patterson's house. Yes. The, the paint. If, well, I love her daughter's really rude to him. Like, what do you want? <laughs> but I love. She's like, stealing my mail. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, didn't you review my show in 41? He's like, yo, I, I, I did. And she's like, oh, you know, come in, Miss, Mr. Klaus. Man, I mean, Klaus Meyer, I've been planning to kill you for years. She has the best lines. She's awesome. Charles Lawton's wife, the actress who played the bride in The Bride of Frankenstein. She's amazing. She just freaking owns it. Because she keeps mispronouncing. And he's like, Klaus Meyer. And she's doing it on purpose. Because apparently he wrote a horrible review for her show in 41. (laughs) But decadent. And she has a lot of kids, doesn't she, Michael? Yeah, she has like seven kids or something. All like four different husbands. Yes. The first one drank himself to death. The second one was lost at sea. Not sure about the third one. The current husband is missing. She does give him a big clue. Her first clue is that she was there. Yeah. The pa- she's like, oh, the guy, I, no, it's not just my painting. I was there I was, last night. I can night. identify this Jefferson Randolph. And then... She said, oh, the woman that was with him, this blonde, was Pauline York. I think she was a fashion model for your style magazine. He's like, boom. That dude just got the Rosetta Stone. Yeah. If he would have got back to the building and talked to Jan. This movie also would have been over. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and what I love is now they've got this profile yeah. of the guy. Quite a drinker. Collector of paintings. Eccentric. <laughs> clock phobia. Ladies man. Married. Yeah. Like they rattle that all off. And, 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 George, and George is just standing there and he's... <laughs> and, 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 you know, I can only imagine like, Jason, if like one night you went out and just like, just got caught up and just drinking and stuff. And then the next day, like people were like, they gathered all this information and that's what they came up with and you went oh my god they're describing me yeah you go 
ah, I, I'm a yeah. crap person. <laughs> I'm not Robert Mitchum. <laughs> I am lame. But Don, this Archway reporter, calls George. And George's like, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. He's like, where are you? He's like, I'm going to Paul York's apartment. And so George is like, I need to get there. And he gets there before Don. And he realizes there's a, uh, I, I imagine the appropriate term is like a servant's entrance to this apartment building. Yeah. And he goes in and he sees that Pauline York is dead. And first of all, he walks in and he's like looking around. and like, there's a dead body right there, dude. <laughs> like, you don't notice that? <laughs> like, it should be smelling already. <laughs> yeah, there's... He it also, he's like, whoa! <laughs> well, and he sees, because Steve had set the clock changed back, the clock changed back. the clock, so he sets the clock right. Yeah. He's like, ooh, looking around, going, something happened here. Somebody's been here. Yeah. And then he hears Don knocking. And... And he goes out and just tells his freaking stupid lie. He's like, you need to get on a plane now. He's like, what about my two He's like, no, 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 no. Use your account, you know. <laughs> he just tries to get rid of Don as fast as possible. Actually, Jason, he tells Don, go on, beat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, the whole intent is to get Don. Don knows a pivotal piece of information. He needs Don out of the way. Yeah. Speaking of uh, pivotal information, um, Royal Eddie. If George was drinking this rather than Stinger's, I'm not sure he'd be able to think clearly enough to resolve this. Big growth. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Huge, huge thank you. I think it pairs well with this movie. Absolutely does. Because it is smooth. I mean, like a stinger. You go, oh, these are really tasty. These are great. They're going down. I finished my stinger. Well done. With the green creme de menthe. Which kind of gets to our point. where. Well, George does some investigation at the time. Because he talks to the doorman. And he gets some info like, the maid's been gone. So no one's cleaning up that apartment and that everybody leaves their shift at 12 o'clock. So he'd have to check the cab stand down the street to see if anybody was dropping people off. And so he meets the uh, this guy. He goes, and I love, he goes, hey, is that your cab? And he goes, yeah, you want to buy it? Yeah. <laughs> so classic. He's eating a hamburger there. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds good right yeah, now. Exactly. And then he goes, he, he said, oh, no, my partner Kowalski. You, you know, Kazimir Kowalski. Yeah, he had a fair and he was half crazy, no hat, yeah. which is important because Janeth left his hat. And so he goes back to Janeth Publications and Steve and Janeth came up with this ruse where they were like, they're going to plant something about the painting, yeah. like a missing masterpiece. Yeah. It's a Patterson masterpiece. Is yeah. Missing. Front page of the newspaper. Exactly. So he goes back and there's that going on. And then Janeth is just saying all of these different things about the killer. All the things we know. And one of them, he goes, his penchant for green stingers. (laughs) (laughs) But we can't find this guy. But that front page brings in the antique dealer. And the antique dealer is walking into the lobby of Janeth Publications. And he sees... George Strauss. He's doing a great Michael Palin double take. There's what? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I just saw that, man. And so George is going, you know, hey, we should go to the apartment building and do a bunch of interviews and stuff like that. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden they get the call and they go, um, no, bud, he was just spotted here. Yeah. George plays his cards. He's like, you know, I hear that the blonde is Pauline York. He's like, it doesn't seem like quite a shocker to you guys. And they're like, oh, yes, we've known that. The maid called Steve. But the maid was off for two weeks. Yes. She was on vacation. But so all of a sudden, George is realizing, okay. There's something going on There's here. something going on here. Because then all of a sudden, they realize, like, oh, this murder took place at this time. He's like, how would you know that if you haven't been off? He's like, oh, well, the, you know, the maid kept telling us. And he realized, like, okay, they are lying. One of them has been in the apartment. 
that's when their conversation gets interrupted because the antique dealer's like, he's been spotted in the building. And the Jantha's like, close all the exits. We're shutting down this building. There's going to be one way out. And they're going to run him by that antique dealer. <laughs> Things are closing in on George. And Miss Patterson now <laughs> arrives at the building. And she's looking for the money that was promised her by Don, the art critic who was sent to her house. Absolutely. And right off, she realizes George. And, and <laughs> even more so, like, he realizes, oh, oh, because she does a good job of not really going, yeah. you know, doing the look. I like Miss Patterson. Oh, she's great. And she has a fantastic line when yeah. they're left alone because he basically says, he, he goes, I know you know. And she goes, I love this line. I have few enough collectors without sending one to jail. She doesn't know what he did. She's like, I don't know what you're up to, but she's willing for some money. Because he gives her $500. And she's only expecting like a hundred. Yeah. So 500, but what's, there's a catch. You don't just get five. It's a voucher, but she still has to do the drawing (laughs) because he leaves. And then one of his guys comes in and goes, you got to do the drawing. Yeah. And so George tries to see, by pretending he needs a sandwich, to see if he could get out of the building. And you really realize now, there is no way out of the building. It's getting more and more tense. He is trapped. And then, his wife, this ridiculous name with like George, George Jr. and Georgette arrives. Downright creepy. (laughs) It is. And she looks at the clue board. And everybody else walks by and takes a look. There's all these intelligent people and reporters. And she takes one look at it and realizes, that's her husband. (laughs) She should be working in that group. (laughs) They're getting additional information in. They've now reached back to the bar. And the bartender goes, oh, I remember. Handkerchief. There was The guy spilt something and he used his handkerchief. And we find out Steve, when he was doing his you know messing with the crime scene he he took the handkerchief instead of just throwing it away he put it in his office in a cigarette box and again you could sort of pointed this out people at this point are showing up they're bringing witnesses in and george is walking around the building people keep seeing him going there he is i see him and then george sneaks away so it's everything's getting closer but at the same time he's getting closer because he knows janeth and steve are up to something so everybody's getting closer and george just needs to stay one step ahead of everybody who's <laughs> spotting him it's, it's 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 really a tense very tense sequence you're just kind of especially the first time you see this i was like yeah, because yeah, you don't know, no. because all of a sudden Jantha's like, I'm going to floor-by-floor search. And so George is out there, and he runs into, because Roy, one of George's right-hand man, is walking around with the antique dealer, who knows what George looks like. And it just so happens they get separated around Future Way, where there's a camper out yes, there. Future Ways. It's and <laughs> the antique dealer, of course, sees George. And it's just that classic, you know, weak guy. As soon as he sees George, he passes out. And fainting... Seem to happen a lot in forties and fifties movies. I don't think I've ever fainted. I'm pretty, I have I'm never, no. I've never fainted. I've never fainted. I've never had the vapors. No, guarantee. Um, so George hides him away in that camper. This is when Janth is like Patterson. You've had plenty of time to do this drawing. Show us this drawing, particularly since there's been some cash outlay. This is a, just a silly piece of, of of comedy it's a comic relief because she goes here's the picture and it, it looks like cubism it resembles a person in no way and you, <laughs> you just see she's all smiles and janeth and everybody can almost like they would punch her if they could just a womp womp kind of moment then the bartender 
from the Van Barth bar appears. Yeah. And so now we have everybody who has seen George. And they're all in this room. And George walks by the room. And the bartender like, there he is! <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> and George goes, does the whoops. Yeah. Slips away and runs into his wife. Yes. So And they go, where are they going to hide? They hide in Steve's office, which is very convenient. Because, you know, it's, there's smoking, smoking. You could smoke anywhere back then. Yeah. No, oh, let's get a smoke. And that's what you need to do when you're relaxed. When you're tense, you grab a cigarette. Calm yourself down. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> that, that, your T-zone, yeah. man. It, it gets your T-zone. <laughs> so, they, of course, they find the, the handkerchief. And George, you know, the wheels are turning. He's a smart man. Yeah. And, and I love this because in some, way, it, in some ways, again, we talk about what he's a crappy husband. But he doesn't know if Steve did it or not. But he goes, let's pin this on Steve. So even if Steve is innocent, which I mean Steve's not, he's involved yeah. in some way. I just it's funny that he goes, I don't really care if he did it or not. Let's pin it on him. Absolutely. That leads us back. We're now back how the the movie opened, where George is going into the big clock. Yep. He's <laughs> hiding in the big clock. There is orders to shoot this person on site. I don't know how if you own a newspaper you can just tell your security shoot people on site. No, Jason, I mean the whole thing, like you they won't let anyone leave the building, you know, because it is sort of a kingdom. Yeah. It's Janet's kingdom. Absolutely. But but at the same time he is he's basically holding people against their will. And yeah, and shoot on site it this whole thing is is scary just how much power this guy seems to wield. George is is looking through the phone book because his wife had given him a piece of information. Kazimir Kowalski had taken a person to this address. Now, which is surprising me that he didn't recognize that address right off. I mean, I, mean, I don't know my coworkers' addresses, yeah. but I don't work that intimately yeah. with them. I don't, maybe back then. But you're right. He's looking through this book, because, and he finds out it's Steve's address. And, of course, he <laughs> ends up dropping the book. And when he bends over, there's a convenient <laughs> switch. This big clock that is like so important in everything and it never goes off or anything. There's just the large on-off switch, basically. He shuts it down, which gives up the, you know, the everybody. This is a big deal. I think it stopped once. Yes. And then it goes back on and Jan is like, oh, I think we know where he is. Hmm. And he like, Bill, <laughs> Colonel, Colonel, Colonel Potter. Potter. <laughs> He's like, go down there and take care of this. And he... Doesn't because, <laughs> because I mean it's it's just one of those classic noir tough guys who isn't that tough because he go, walks around all menacing with his gun but he goes in and he gets knocked and whatever this stunt because it's a spiral staircase yeah. that goes up onto this platform and even the stunt the stunt man I guess did it but that's the scary fall yeah, falling down a, a spiral staircase George gets the jump on him beats it and he's being chased and yeah. so he runs and he goes up in an elevator and then when Bill's in the elevator he's able to jam it. I don't know if that's really how elevator works, but <laughs> I, I don't either. But you know, that's so, important because that means that that when you open the elevator door, it's a empty. And what I always do is I just blindly run onto elevators. <laughs> is what I do. George makes his way back up to Hagen's office, and he calls Jantha Hagen's like, "I need to talk to you. I know who I, I did." It, does he say he's? He says he found he's found the guy who did this. Yes. So he gets Janeth. Hagen and his wife all in the office. And he calls up his buddy, 
the actor. Yeah. <laughs> the actor at, has him come as, was it Sergeant Regan? Yes, Is that Sergeant, Inspector Regan in, from Homicide. Inspector Regan, and he, so he's going to be having an Irish accent. Yeah. So he shows up, he asks the, the cop to step outside, yeah. and he starts breaking it down. And he goes, hey, Steve, you want a cigarette? Steve's, no, no, no. <laughs> Which, back then, yeah, that, that told you a lot about a man exactly. if he turned down his smoke. Yeah. So, and he goes, well, why? Why? Because this is in there. And he's like, oh, you yeah. did it. And Janeth quickly turns on oh, Steve. Yeah. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah, we will do everything in our power to have It's great. It's, it's so awesome. And you can just see Steve starting to change yeah. where he's going, oh, no, no, no. No, yeah. that's not happening. Yeah. So they bring in the inspector. And then Hagen's like, we're going to call off this search right now. <laughs> he turns, basically, Janet is like, you're, you're not going to throw me under the bus. He's like, you're the one who's did this. And then Janet has a gun. He just shoots Hagen <laughs> and takes off. And runs. <laughs> and the, I found it kind of funny, though, that Hagen was not fooled by this cop. He goes, yeah. I, I know that. He's, yeah. a, he's some broken down actor <laughs> cadging drinks. I love the idea of cadging drinks. I saw him cadging drinks at Burt's. So that didn't work. But you're yeah. right. He just blows him away and then runs. Yeah. And what did you mention before about the elevator? You know. If, if it's stuck. If it's stuck and you open the door, there's no, there's no elevator there. And he just... Blindly yeah. runs into elevator shaft, and but the whole thing. I mean, it's it's, it's terrible, and it's yeah. but there, when you're watching it because the elevator doesn't really open. He has to pull, pull it, open, pull it, and looking back, yeah, and which makes it even more kind of unbelievable. But you're, I mean, that's it. Yeah. He fell. The king is dead, and a little more comic relief. Yeah, I like how that this movie, which is a tense movie, ends on a little comic relief because now we're back with George Georgette. Miss Patterson walks in, and it just so happens, so does. It's, the actor is her fourth husband. Yes. He was just missing. Exactly. You're right. I mean, there are a couple of moments. The painting and this, it's it's comic relief. But it's not, like, it, doesn't, it doesn't make you go, oh, that's, no, it, it no, doesn't no. screw up the rhythm. No, it doesn't, no. It, it, they do a nice job of it, and do. it still maintains this tenseness. Although it does break one of those things where it's, the noir endings are not usually funny or a beat or anything like I that. I mean, a guy did just fall down an elevator, but we end on a funny But he's, he's also a bad guy, so yeah. you're, yes. you're, you're hoping that he'd fall down <laughs> an elevator. terribly bad for him. <laughs> no, no, no. But no. at the same time, you go, George, you know, Georgette deserves better than that. Yeah, yeah. George is Treated not the... poorly by you, buddy. Yeah. Think I know the answer, but would you recommend this movie? A- absolutely, I would recommend this movie. This is a nice example of noir. It still, to this day, holds up. Enjoyable, fast-paced, funny well acted, well shot. I mean, it hits all the points. Where it's it is a good movie, and that's why it's recognized. I mean, we talk about these being B movies because that's what the intent was. Yeah. But it's recognized as a, a really valuable movie and an enjoyable movie. Another example. I mean, we say it a lot, but B does not mean bad. Yeah. There are some absolutely fantastic movies. That so, are and, and what about you? I mean, I know it's your choice. Oh yeah, like, I mean, you own a, you own a copy of it. I do, <laughs> and and I love it. This is one of the reasons I love noir. Great dialogue. I mean, the, like you said. Everything you said, the acting is just amazing. Charles Lawton, again, I go back. I don't know who received an Oscar that year, but he should have been considered because he was so good. Um, it is. The first time I saw it, it's it's tense. You're, yeah. ju- you're just going, you're not sure what's going to happen. And even now, watching, I've seen it so many times. It holds up well. It's shot beautifully. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I love this yeah. movie. There's a reason it's on so many lists. And people, this is a movie where I recommend, like, even if you're just a casual movie um, lover, go and see this movie. Oh, yeah. Pick it up. It'll be great. Some popcorn, a couple beers. Yeah. 
And, you know, if you can get your hands on Royal Eddie. Absolutely. Big Grove. That This beer this beer is fantastic. Uh, thank, Big Grove, thank you guys again. We're going to be, I'll be back. Um, you know, one of the days we always talk about it. I'll take you back home. And we'll do, you can go visit these places. But uh, it's great. Royal Eddie, they're Imperial Hazy. Delicious. Good, good beer. Good, good beer. Yeah. Excellent. All right, then. I think that about wraps it up. It does. Please like, subscribe, and comment wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram. Facebook and Twitter. And check out our website. This is Beer and Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael.